Welcome to 1514, the podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 1514, that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lakin Brandt, your other host. Be sure to check out more resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 1514. As always, it's a delight to have you as part of our audience. This interview is one that I did with Rebecca Hanna, the Executive Director and Vice President of Anchored Hope, which offers virtual biblical counseling to people all across the world. It's a great way for people to exercise their gifts and also connect people who otherwise might not be able to get biblical counseling to the hope and help they need from God's Word. I hope you are encouraged and edified by the program and inspired to grow your counseling ministry in a variety of ways and uh, are just really blessed by the interview. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by the IBCD Summer Institute. Are you passionate about biblical counseling and discipleship? Then don't miss out on the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship's annual Summer Institute, taking place June 22nd through 24th of this year. IBCD exists to strengthen churches in one another care. They serve organizations and individuals who share a passion to see believers equipped through life struggles with the Word of God. They offer all kinds of tools for the counselor through conferences and training events, ex- extensive topic-based courses, observation videos, their Hope and Help podcast tons of free resources, and more. They've got an amazing lineup of speakers and workshops at this event that are sure to equip and inspire you for ministry. We're thrilled to announce that the BCC will be sponsoring the event, and I'll be one of the speakers. And here's the best part. IBCD is offering a special discounts on tickets. Supporting churches and IBCD donors can enjoy 20% off their tickets, while current students can get 15% off. They're also offering special group rates for groups of six or more people. If you can't make it in person, don't worry. They're providing a special live streaming option, and your ticket includes a downloadable file of all the great conference content. So whether you're a seasoned counselor or just starting out, make sure to mark your calendars for IBCD's Summer Institute. Register today by visiting ibcd.org slash events and take advantage of these incredible savings. We can't wait to see you all there. Rebecca Hanna, thank you so much for being with us on 1514. Could you introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, I am Rebecca Hanna, and I'm the Executive Director of Anchored Hope. So tell us a little bit about Anchored Hope. Uh, What is it and what led you to begin it? Yeah, so Anchored Hope is a virtual counseling platform. Uh, You can find us online at anchoredhope.co. And really, the purpose is to provide excellent counseling to anyone, anytime, um, with the goal of creating this global impact through biblical counseling, which creates, we know, personal transformation. And so we're just trying to make biblical counseling accessible uh, no matter where you are in the world. Well, that's fantastic. I know a lot of people were exposed to virtual things throughout the pandemic in the last few years, whether they wanted to or not. Um, And it it made kind of telecare more on people's radar. Uh, So, I'm, I'm just thankful for what you're doing. So how many counselors do you have working with Anchored Hope at this point? We currently have about 30 counselors. Uh, we are in a hiring process right now, and I'm imagining by the end of this process, we'll have about 35 counselors wow. and are all over the country and in a couple of different countries, uh, a couple of different bilingual counselors. And so uh, they are in different regions and different time zones. Uh, and so they're all over. 
So it really is going to be possible for people to at some point get counseling any time of the day, anywhere they are. That's that's really exciting. Um, <laughs> and if you have 35, you're growing that way for sure. Um, so what qualifications are required for somebody if they want to be a counselor with Anchored Hope? Yeah. So on our website, there's actually a career page which you can go see and it explains us a little bit more. But our bottom line is that graduate degree in counseling uh, of course, there are numerous certifications, and we uh, love all the cert certifications that you can get in biblical counseling. So we don't necessarily hire for a specific degree or certification or even a license. Uh, we're looking for the right kind of people who are equipped and gifted and called. And so uh, I uh, talk to people all the time who have the right qualifications, um, but we are looking for super uh, gifted people who are really into this idea of making biblical counseling um, accessible and who want to be able to expand that biblical counseling footprint. And uh, so it's that graduate degree. It's that certification. There are some, uh, there's a couple people on our staff that don't necessarily meet those specific qualifications, but their experience outweighs those qualifications. And so there are those extreme examples where there are some people like that. Yeah, so I think that's really encouraging because uh, it's helpful for people to know that you're actually going to look at the individual person and not just yes. a resume, not just a, a bunch of letters after somebody's name. And you're going to really yeah. be vetting and getting to know the person before you bring them on your team. And I think that was one of the things I really liked. We got to talk at the BCC Summit this past December, and I appreciated the, the personal touch that you have with your team. It's not just get as many virtual counselors as we possibly can and just, you know, for money's sake or whatever, you're really yeah. trying to bring in a, a team. And, and while they're separated by geographically, you're also doing work to build them together as a team. What are some things that you do to pour into the counselors, help build that dynamic as, as that you guys were working together, even though you're remote? Yeah. So uh, we have a full-time director of counselor development. Uh, his name is Brad Walker. He is gold. He's wonderful. He's one of those counselors that you talk to and you think, can I spend more time with you? Mm. Uh, and he's the counselor of our counselors. Uh, he meets with them. Anyone who needs counseling on our staff is available to get counseling uh, from Brian himself. So that's the first line of defense. We want to make sure that our counselors are cared for. Mm. Uh, and then that standard of care, really, we have trainings once a month. We have case reviews. We have book cohorts. So we're really trying to create a community of biblical counselors where they're sharing with each other. Uh, and, you know, we're virtual. So very few of us have met each other in person. When that happens, it's so fun, of course. Yeah. Uh, we try to use those virtual components of Slack and text and emails and all those things. We're constantly talking about cases and uh, helping one another out. And it's not a day doesn't go by where someone's not asking for resources or asking for a, a case review. Uh, and so there's a there's a very much a team aspect. We want everyone to know they're on a team. Uh, they're not a biblical counselor alone, biblical counselor in Washington State yep. somewhere, but they can they can ask for help in really any capacity that they might need it. No, oh, that's fantastic. Are there time restrictions or expectations that you have for the counselors? Do they have to do a, a minimum number of of cases uh, or hours a week? Anything like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So we we are doing an eight session minimum a month, uh, and that's just because that's what it costs me to have you on my staff. <laughs> so that eight <laughs> session minimum really just covers uh, the cost of your email and your Zoom and all those kinds of things. Uh, so it is eight sessions a 
a month, which is about two sessions a week. Yep. No, and which is which is great, and that's one of the things I also love about it is it it provides a lot of flexibility for people who want to want to work in biblical counseling, but maybe they can't do it full time. Um, yeah. Do you have any limits on the other end of the spectrum? Do you ever say that's too many cases? Yeah, uh, I have those limits for myself. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I've counseled in so many different contexts uh, at mm. schools or universities or in the local church or whatever that might be and in different seasons of my life. So uh, as just a, a married wife, right, and then being a young mom and then you get into different seasons. And I think watching my own capacity change different mm. during those different seasons. Um, I knew it didn't, it didn't necessarily uh, change my gifting, equipping or calling, but it changed my capacity. And so mm. I really wanted to create a platform where uh, if you are wanting to serve the body in that particular way, even if it's just two sessions a week, then you're, there's a, a platform for you to be able to do that. And then if you have the capacity to do more than that, and even if you wanted to make it a full-time job, depending on what level of cases there you can carry, that's really up to you knowing, having an awareness of yourself enough yeah. to say, okay, like this is at my capacity. So uh, we have several counselors that have said, okay, now I'm at my capacity and I don't need to take any new people. Um, so we're, we have those conversations and they're pretty aware of themselves. No, that's fantastic. I, and I, I'm thinking about all the college students that I'm training in biblical counseling, both that they are going to face those different phases of life coming up in the next few years, uh, as well as we just had the conversation of knowing your own limitations. Say somebody wants to have some flexibility of doing five cases a week. How does that functionally work for them? How do they make sure that they're getting time to counsel in the time frame that they have opportunity to do so? Yeah. So the way that our scheduling works is on the back end, uh, you open your schedule to the hours uh, that you are saying, I'm open from, you know, four o'clock to 8 p.m. on Thursday nights. And so we're, um, we have some bivocational pastors even that say, I have Friday off and I'd really like some more specific counseling time. I'm going to open from 9 a.m. to noon or whatever that might look like. So on the back end, you open up your schedule. And when someone's seeking counsel, they go on the website, they go to the counselor page, and they can go to a specific topic even. And then when that person pops up underneath that counseling topic, they can see your schedule and schedule according to it, uh, the hours that you opened. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. So with with the topics you mentioned there, is that uh, are those people have specialization in particular types of issues related to counseling? Um, yeah, that was my question. <laughs> yeah, so uh, for instance, if some people are wanting to focus on marriage counseling, then they can uh, just put their name under marriage counseling or whatever that might look like. Or if people are specialized in trauma, maybe there's some specific topics that not everyone's going to want to counsel. And so counselors are able to say, yes, I'll do this. And no, I would prefer not to do that. That's super helpful. And then do you provide, uh, obviously individual counseling is something you provide. Do you provide other types of counseling through Anchored Hope as well? Yeah, so we have the individual counseling and there's uh, different sessions too. So you can do an hour session all the way, I believe, to a 90 minute session. Uh, and then there are marriage sessions. They're the same way. So you can do an hour, 75 minute or 90 minute. Hmm. That's on the website. So when you go to counseling on the website, uh, you'll have to double check that for me. But um, we also have a premarital package. And the pastors that we've talked to as well have really appreciated this because in our 
10 sessions of premarital, we can give the pastor exactly all the content that we'll go over in each session. So if you do premarital counseling with uh, counselor A and somebody else from your congregation does premarital counseling with uh, counselor B, they're going to get the same content uh, using the same resources and go over the same subjects so that you can even meet with those people as a pastor later and talk about those topics. And it looks like you have a couple of group options as well on the website. I think one in particular for ministry wives. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. So those are counseling groups uh, and there, there might be a better name for them than counseling groups. Really the counselor is teaching on a particular topic and then there's mm-hmm. time for Q and a at the end of that topic. And then each person in that group gets homework that week. So it's a great option because uh, it's cost effective in the sense of if you can't afford individual sessions, you can afford six weeks at that rate, which is the same price as one session. Uh, so you're yes. learning about it. You're you're learning from the counselor about a particular topic. You're hearing other people who need help in that particular topic ask questions that are probably similar to yours, or maybe you haven't even thought about those questions. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit like having a water hose pour at you instead of a drip, and uh, you can learn about those particular topics. So I believe we're starting an anxiety group. Uh, there's a marriage group launching, and then there's also the ministry wives group uh, launching. No, that's really that's that's a really cool option for people to do. What uh, as you have been doing this for a while, what kind of feedback are you getting? I'd like to hear feedback from the counselees that you've had people people coming in for counseling, but also the people who have been doing counseling for you. And I'll let you pick which way you start. Yeah, I have, see. <laughs> I'm gonna have to think about this one. <laughs> You know, I, getting feedback, one of the things that we love about counseling, so Curtis, you're probably similar to me, that if you're doing biblical counseling, you think it's the greatest thing in the world because you watch God be God, and you get to see fruit uh, sometimes sooner than you normally would just in a, a typical discipleship uh, relationship. And I think virtually uh, there are so many things that we feel like we lose, but there's just so many things that we gain also. Mm. And part of that feedback uh, and testimony that we get are people who are maybe even in rural areas, or uh, I meet with people in Africa. Uh, Mm. We have uh, some people in Costa Rica and Brazil. And so we're being able to, we're able to uh, reach people that wouldn't have access to biblical counseling any other way. And I think the beautiful feedback, uh, and this larger scale is thank you for making this available. Thank you for leveraging the internet for something so beautiful and so good. And so we're seeking to do that. We're seeking to leverage the internet on our behalf to use for God's glory. And so I think that the fruit of that, the testimonies are just, uh, thank you for existing. And then you get to specific individuals who are saying, I've been meeting with uh, counselor a for two months and it's transformed my entire life. Mm. Amen. Uh, of course, you know, we get those when we hear from counselees, uh, I am privileged because I get to hear from a lot of counselees from 30 gifted counselors. Uh, and I cry every time I cry every time. Cause I'm like, Oh my goodness, I couldn't have done that counseling session, but she was available. And so it's this dividend, uh, that just continues to double and double and double over itself. And then I think the third category that we get beautiful feedback as well from are pastors who feel overwhelmed. Uh, and they don't want to do a cold referral out to someone, uh, even in their community, but we come alongside them and we're able to lift the burden of care and they know us and they trust us and they know that we have gifted biblical counselors and maybe they can't afford to hire a biblical mm-hmm. counselor onto their staff. Uh, but by, cert- by by partnering with Anchored Hope, 
they just hired 30 counselors on their staff and they're just paying per session. And so uh, I think the testimonies from pastors who are saying, thank you for helping my people. Uh, that's where, that's the good stuff, right? Yeah, no, that's really, that's really helpful. Uh, I want to dig into that a little bit more. How do you, is there kind of, um, like, how do you work that with somebody who's getting a referral from their pastor? Do you keep the pastors informed, engaged in what's going on? Is that entrusted to the person? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So it just varies from uh, counseling case to counseling case. Churches often act as insurance and subsidize for the members of their church. And in that case, uh, the counselee is waiving confidentiality if necessary and helpful. And so part of the questions that we ask them in their intake form is them giving per- permission. Who's your pastor? If helpful, necessary, do we have permission to contact them? And then they say yes or no. Uh, and so with that, we're able to build those relationships with the pastors. Oftentimes, if pastors are referring them to us, then that's an easy, they're going to waive that confidentiality because uh, yeah. they already have a relationship with their pastor. Yeah. No, that's really good. I appreciate that too, because I was talking to somebody else who who has some some virtual counseling opportunities or even just in person and they get referrals from churches, but there is a, a confidentiality barrier where they don't interact with the, the pastors. And I've had some good conversations with that interest in that. And one of the, one of the reasons they talked about is the fact that sometimes the reason somebody's coming to somebody not in their church is there, there are problems, there are issues. Um, maybe yeah. not spiritual abuse, but like some other thing going on that makes going to somebody in leadership in their church problematic or difficult for them to do. Um, if that's a, if that's the case, you know, somebody comes and you find out they're a part of a church, do you try to connect them back into their church or to somebody back in their church or do you just care for them and, and trust the Lord with like, how do you handle that? Yeah, we always want them to be connected to the local church. So Anchored Hope does not replace the embodied presence of the local church. Yeah. Uh, and I can't say that loud enough. Our, our goal is not to replace, but to actually just supplement and refer back to the church. And so we're going to always do that. I, I love when we get people who are not a part of a church because we're going to automatically connect with someone in their community. Uh, and we can we can refer to even networks that we have partnerships with, or maybe there's a church that we are doing a partnership with in that area. Um, or, you know, one of the hundred people I went to seminary with are pastoring there. And so we can make those connections. That's always fun. So yes, we're going to always refer them back to the local church. If they're hesitant to, sh- to share with their pastor for a particular reason, uh, we would listen and uh, be cognizant of that and be aware and unpack that. And sometimes maybe that's best not to share. And then sometimes maybe encouraging them in, if you're not comfortable in that relationship to share that particular thing, let's unpack why that is. Yeah. No, that's really good. I appreciate that. That's a just the wise biblical way of doing things, right? Just really understanding the situation and, and speaking wisdom and truth into it. Um, man, I'm, my brain is torn in a lot of different directions I'd like to go <laughs> because I, I, I love this. One of the things I do, uh, I'll prime the pump, but I also know we are going to have a conversation on your podcast about the strengths yes. and weaknesses of virtual counseling. So I'm just going to throw that out there, that that is, a, that is something you guys are well aware of and want to talk about. But uh, for our audience, you'll just have to tune in after Rebecca and I are able to have that conversation on the Anchored Hope podcast. Um, yeah. So tell me, how can people, if for the, 
Well, and I'll probably come back to this again because I know a lot of our audience are biblical counselors and I want them to be able to connect with you on the vocational side of things, but also just getting the idea of how to how to do this. But I also want people who are needing care to know how can they connect with you? How can they find you and find a counselor that is going to be able to take care of their needs? Yeah, so on the website, there is a page that is just counselors. And when you click on that page, you actually see uh, a whole list of topics. So it goes from abuse survivors to addiction, to anxiety, to family problems, pastoral care, uh, spirituality, all those different categories. There's about 25 of them. And when you click on one of those categories, it shows you which counselors are best equipped to counsel that particular topic. So you can go that direction. When you click on the counselor's picture, it gives you their bio. And underneath that, you have the option to email them if you have questions before you want to schedule. Uh, Or you can just go ahead and schedule an appointment and you can see what hours they have available in the next 48 hours. That's really handy. And I also like if you scroll down to the individual counselors, you can see if they're available or not available right there. You guys have the not accepting new people, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's a very it's a it's a well done website looks nice, easy to navigate. So thank you for doing that. That is really helpful. And that actually, I mean, honestly, like when people are needing care, Mm -hmm. ease of use is is very, very helpful. So thanks for doing that. For those uh, counselors who are looking at maybe doing it vocationally, how could they connect with you and reach out to you and and say, hey, I want to be a part of your team? Yes. So under uh, the more button on Anchored Hope on the website, there's a careers option. And when you click on careers, it'll tell you a little bit more about the description of the job, what the requirements and responsibilities, the character qualities that we're particularly after. Um, there are a couple of things at Anchored Hope that were really um, are our core values. And that would be convictional kindness, professionalism, um, being relational, having transparency, but really being committed to a global footprint for biblical counseling so that uh, each person can faithfully live out their God-given purposes and transformation. So uh, those core values are really important to us. To, so thinking through that, um, but if someone's interested, they would go to the website there and they could click the apply now. Um, after you apply, uh, so you fill out lots of information about answers to questions, um, you give your understanding of the gospel, uh, understanding of divorce, those those big uh, questions that we would have right off the bat, uh, along with your resume. From there, uh, there is an individual interview. Uh, There is a response to our organizational profile. Then you do case reviews. We give you a couple of cases and we hear how you would respond to them. Hmm. And then there's a second round interview uh, with a panel of people. So we're we're really serious about who we hire. Uh, Just as the leader of the organization, I believe that every counseling session we have is the most important counseling session to have. And so every counseling session is important, which means every counselor uh, is super important, which means our hiring process is a little bit rigorous. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I, I appreciate that because the work that we're doing is is significant and important and you can't, um, yeah, you have to vet people well because you're caring for people's souls. It's not just, yes. it's not making lattes, you know? I, mean, <laughs> I do I was, like a good latte. Yeah. And I was a However, barista before, so I can make a good latte. Yes, but <laughs> yes, I have. When I meet with pastors, and I I meet with pastors on a daily basis now, uh, and I need to be able to say to them, if I wouldn't put my own kid in front of this person, I wouldn't hire them. Mm. And so, for me to be able to do that, uh, we have to have those requirements and and go through that process. 
Now, if there was a pastor who wanted to have a conversation with you, because I know you said in one, a little bit tongue in cheek that when you're not hiring a biblical counselor, you're hiring like 30. Um, do you do any kind of like retainer contracts with churches like that? Or is it just the fact that, hey, we're here and you can utilize our counselors anytime? Yeah, so there is an advanced purchase uh, option, and we do have churches that buy counseling in bulk. For instance, I have a, a church in Delaware that bought $10,000 of counseling this year. Uh, any member of their church can get 90% off. The member pays 10% up to 10 sessions. So they're just super committed to caring for their people. And uh, that's a beautiful partnership. So we just tell them at the end of the month, here's how many sessions you have. Here's how many you have left. If there are some major themes coming out in that counseling, we're able to say, hey, we have two or three pornography cases. We have three or four marriage cases. Uh, here's kind of thematically as you're preaching and thinking about your congregation, here's what we're seeing. Another option uh, is the advocate program that we're rolling out. So uh, we have written an advocate curriculum where uh, we are helping pastors identify leaders in their congregation that are already naturally coming alongside people and caring for them. And that can look anywhere from the advocate actually attending counseling with uh, the counselee. So, for instance, we have a church that sets up a TV in the office at their church and their small group leader comes to counseling with them, which is amazing. That's a, yeah, so the that's amazing. Small group leader is hearing the counseling, participating in the counseling when appropriate, uh, doing the homework with the counselee after they leave all the way to, hey, I'm your advocate uh, and how did counseling go this week? Uh, what's your homework for this week? Or let's talk about what you did. So there's a, a wide variety of how that advocate can actually walk with the counseling. Uh, but there are several different churches where we uh, go and teach the advocate curriculum to their leaders, or we've uh, done it even virtually. So there's a lot of options. We don't say this is how a partnership works because each church is so different. The context is different. The DNA is different. And so what works for a church over here is probably not going to work for a church over here. So we really want pastors to come and uh, create the best kind of partnership that works for them so that we can come alongside. That's the coming alongside, not the cold referral out. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Those are really interesting opportunities and options for pastors to take advantage of. And like you were saying, the the ability for you to give feedback too that might direct their preaching or group teaching is, I mean, that's yeah. amazing. That's super helpful uh, for them to get. Because I, I know as a, as a pastor, um, when you're counseling, it does influence what you address, but you don't always know what's going on broadly it, mm -hmm. with other people. So that's super yeah. helpful. So if a church or a pastor wanted to reach out to you and talk about some form of partnership and, and create kind of a customized partnership with Anchored Hope, where would they do that? How would they get a hold of you? Yeah, there's a partnership page on our website. And if they fill out the form uh, that says, do you have more questions? Uh, that actually comes directly to me. So I would reach out uh, right now. I am the prime contact for partnerships and uh, you'll get to talk to me. <laughs> no, that's super helpful. I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because again, the, the website is super helpful. When I saw partners, I'm thinking like people who just help support us. Uh, but that's a good, that's a good, yeah. when I go there on the website, it, one, it looks really great. And you have a bunch of different options even listed there as well. So fantastic. We'll definitely, and we'll link to the website in the, in the show notes. And I might actually link to particular pages highlighting those different aspects of the ministry because it's super helpful. Let's be honest, ministry is hard and it's expensive and it's hard to do work. I'm sure you guys receive some type of support from people. If somebody wanted to support the work that you're doing, not by counseling, but just by financially 
giving to you and praying for you. Um, can, can they do that? Yes, uh, we would love for them to do that. Uh, we are a startup, really. We're a startup ministry. We are very young. We have grown exponentially faster than I think anyone expected us to. And it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but keeping up with that financially is obviously uh, always a challenge. And so we are about to launch a giving campaign. And we will have a giving page on our website by the end of the month. Uh, this is February. So by the end of February, we should have it up and running uh, where you can see the different kinds of uh, giving options that we'll have. And uh, those that money will go to helping pastors and veterans and even uh, military. There are different partnerships where we need scholarship money. We uh, discount a lot and I will forever discount for pastors and ministry leaders. Uh, I know when, you know, we've needed counseling, even thinking, how are we going to pay for that? We, we need to do this. We want to do it. We obviously, I believe in biblical counseling, how are we going to uh, fund that? And so we want to be a generous ministry. And the only way for us to be generous is for other people to be faithful with what God has given them uh, to be generous towards us. So if you are interested in giving to Anchored Hope, one, I would love to talk to you, but two, we'll have an option for a giving page up and running by the end of the month. And Lord willing, that'll be up before this podcast even airs, and you can just jump oh, on there and, and find it, and we will uh, link to that as well in our show notes uh, as well. Uh, I, I have two questions, and we might have to save one for an after show. Um, so, yeah, we'll do that. We'll fire away. The, your page says, and I know this is sometimes people are curious about this this terminology. Rebecca, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is your homepage says Anchored Hope is biblically grounded, clinically informed, virtual counseling. Um, that, that's, that phrase clinically informed sometimes catches people's attention. They're not really sure what to think about that um, because maybe their training in, in biblical counseling has talked negatively about clinical, uh, like we're not a clinical thing, right? We're, we're more relational. Tell people what, what that means. Yeah, I think it's important to say that we are biblically grounded first. So authority of scripture, sufficiency of scripture, the interpretive lens, we're going to affirm that the Bible is the epistemological lens, right? We're going to affirm all those things. We're going to have a biblical anthropology. And then our counseling methodology is always going to affirm that authority and sufficiency of, of the Bible. Uh, the clinically informed piece is just that we are, everyone is, uh, has a clinical idea. It's just whether it's good or it's bad. And so being informed is more about the person receiving counseling than anything else, because they're coming with, to the counselor with an idea. Uh, and that idea is either good or bad. And so helping the counselor be clinically informed just gives them a better idea of how, how can I approach this person who has this diagnosis mm. or has heard this kind of lingo or language or has adopted this, uh, whatever it might be that I've been told my whole life that I have. And so if we're not clinically informed, then we're actually doing them a disservice because we don't understand uh, what they've been told and how they think about it and how that's affected their personhood. So I would say, first of all, it's just a thoughtful awareness. It's loving people where they are uh, and the means growing in a wise awareness of clinical categories and diagnosis. So I would say excellent counseling flows from a robust understanding of individuals and their unique experiences which has to include how they've been affected by the secular psychological worldview. So it's yeah. just a matter of trying to love people. The second piece to that would be this holistic view of people. We're going to affirm that people are embodied souls who experience life holistically. 
And the clinical world does speak to that more than what something else maybe would would do. And so there are helpful insights into the issues that people face, whether it's a physiological impact of suffering or neurological components of addiction or trauma. So we want to recognize those. Uh, And then another piece would be common grace. So we're going to affirm the biblical doctrine of common grace. Uh, And then lastly, again, we'll end with counseling methodology. Uh, And so we can value the insights that we glean from clinical data, but our methodology must remain grounded in that truth and authority of scripture. Uh, And so anchored hope counselors are never going to diagnose counselees uh, and they're never going to make recommendations regarding medication. And those, those tasks will always be entrusted to to medical professionals. No, I appreciate that. And it's really helpful uh, because I, like we were talking about before the podcast and stuff, sometimes that language, it, just like a lot of things, can can steer people one direction or another, but we need to be able to have a conversation and understand, just like any term, what do we mean when we're saying that? So I really appreciate that. And I appreciate that perspective. Uh, I remember being asked about a talk that I gave one time, and somebody said, why would you bring up the physiological impacts of trauma with somebody in counseling? And I thought, well, because they are feeling those things and they want to, they want to know what's going on with them. And then somebody else said to me later, it's like, also they are steeped in that terminology their entire lives. And they, you you need to be in, we need to be able to engage with them on that level and have informed conversations. Um, And sometimes it just expedites counseling as well. Cause if somebody comes in and says, I have a diagnosis of bipolar, and you know what that means, you, you understand their experience a lot faster. Obviously, you can go read about it later, but then, yeah. then you're being clinically informed. So there you go. Yeah, I think it speaks to our desire to have a global impact too, because if we're going to have an emphasis on uh, access to biblical counseling, uh, even though we love our local bodies that are doing biblical counseling, we're going to have people outside of that bubble, if you will, And if we're not clinically informed, we're going to lose those people. And I think uh, that access uh, to people to make that impact for biblical counseling, uh, you have to understand where they've been uh, and what they're bringing to the table when they log on to Anchor Hope. I really appreciate that. If we have time for an after show, I'm going to ask you the question of if somebody else was interested in starting something like Anchor to Hope, what tips would you give them? Uh, <laughs> and that's a little bit of a hook for people to become partners because those after shows are only available to BCC partners. So be sure to check those out if you are a partner. And if you're not, uh, then you maybe you want to become one today. So uh, Rebecca, we have two minutes at the end of our show called, for a segment called Two Minute Favorites. If I can find my timer, we're going to do this. Uh, are you ready? This makes me nervous. <laughs> You're going to have to counsel me through this. I will do my best. Actually, I just okay. ask questions and move on to the next one. So here we go. Starting now. What is your favorite food? Chips and salsa. What is your favorite color? Green. Favorite sport? Soccer. Favorite sports team? Ugh, whatever team my daughters are playing on. What is the favorite gift you've ever received? Oof. Money. <laughs> favorite gift you've ever given? Oh, um, life to my children. Favorite word? <laughs> favorite word. Counseling. Least favorite word? <laughs> oh, bad counseling. I don't know. <laughs> Favorite book of the Bible? 
Ooh. Proverbs. Favorite book outside of scripture? Uh, the Wilder King. Favorite ice cream flavor? Vanilla. Sorry, it's boring. Favorite candy? I am not a huge candy person. All right. Favorite Bible verse? Favorite Bible verse. Uh, Psalm 19. It would be, this God is ways perfect. Favorite, uh, if you had any superpower, what superpower would you choose? Ooh. Uh, I have superpower. I, am I able, am I allowed to think about it? Am I supposed to just be telling you? Just got to go. Is, I guess, I'm scared. Knowing what people are thinking, that's scary though. All right. Favorite animal? Uh, I have a great Dane, and he's wonderful. His name's Johnny Cash. If your mother were to describe <laughs> you in one word, what word would she use? Ah, intense. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very good, and that wraps up our, our two-minute favorites and wraps up our episode. So, Rebecca Hanna, thank you so much for being with us on 1514 today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.